Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Mission Log Supplemental, number 42. Divisions at San Diego Comic-Con 2018. Welcome into this supplemental edition of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Ken, I now got to ask you the same question that you asked me just a few days ago. How was your weekend? (laughs) (laughs) When are people going to hear this? Uh, My last weekend was fine. Okay. My next weekend will be fine. Okay. And I fully expect people to take pictures of the weekend after that because I have no idea how that's going to go. We're between epic weekends. The yes. first epic weekend being San Diego Comic-Con. The, the next epic weekend, as of this recording, Star Trek Las Vegas. Yes. And a whole lot of forgotten time in between. I feel like uh, the calm before the storm was like in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and, was the last and, time I felt calm. Right. And then now we're in the eye of the storm. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not complaining. We, we say it like it's, you know, like storms are bad things. Maybe I should have used a different analogy. I don't know. I mean, the question that we've been asking ourselves, actually, and anybody else who will listen is, uh, can you even? Yeah. And, and the if you don't listen to the live show, and you should, mm-hmm. but if you don't join us at the live show, facebook.com slash mission log pod Tuesday nights or pick up the live show stream the next day. We have a poll question, and the poll question the other day was, it's con season, can you even? Mm-hmm. The answers were can't or literally can't. I think the literally can'ts had it by about a three-to-one margin. It's really interesting, actually, that people are reading that the way I was reading it. You Liter- think? Literally yeah. can't, actually, is people who are saying that they're not able to go. But that's weird, mm-hmm. though, because people who are able to go are having to answer can't. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I'm all out of evens to have <laughs> right now. That's how far gone I am. all out of other things to give. Yeah. 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 All right. So that leads us to today's show, though. Mm -hmm. So uh, you'll be able to pick up the regular mission log next week. But this week, you get to hear what we did at San Diego Comic-Con. Well, you don't get to hear everything we did at San Diego Comic-Con. You don't get to hear even one-twentieth of what we did at San Diego (laughs) Comic-Con, which I'm glad there are no recordings of that. Come to think of it. No pictures weekend after next. What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. What was yeah. I thinking? Yeah, good call. Good yeah. call on that. But we did get to be a part of uh, Dr. Trek. Larry Nemechek put together a panel of podcasters, uh, mostly. There was a podcaster who was supposed to be joining us from uh, trekmovie.com, and she unfortunately was not able to uh, because of, uh, well, extenuating circumstances. But Christine Rideout stepped in from trekmovie.com. She has appeared on a couple of their podcasts. She does a lot of writing for them as well. Oh, there was Aaron Harvey from Saturday Morning Trek. There was Allison Kenna Pitt from Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Uh, I want to say 
John Champion mm. from uh, uh, Mission Log. I've seen all those movies. A Roddenberry Star Trek yeah. podcast was there. Yeah, some you have to ask for in the back room mm-hmm. is actually what I Sometimes. hear about yeah. his movies. And then there was uh, there was some other guy. I've read all his books, Ken Ray. Oh, yeah. yes. Ken and Ray were there. All of his books. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, only half colored in. Yeah. Uh, so that was the panel. And the discussion was about uh, Star Trek, a fandom divided. Is it? Is it not? If it is, what do those divisions look like? Now, we're all Star Trek fans. Part of the fun of being a Star Trek fan is nitpicking about Star Trek. Yes. (laughs) But what we wanted to explore on the panel was, well, you'll hear. It's uh, how do fans react and interact with other fans, and and especially with us who get to do a show like Mission Log and Larry like his show and, uh, and the Priority One gang and Trek movie. What is that interaction like? And uh, we wanted to see if the, the lines of division were generational, if they are uh, partly based on technology, and, uh, and you'll, you'll hear. There was, um, I, I feel we would be remiss, because we may well say it in the panel, I can't remember, but uh, I mentioned all of the other shows except for Larry's. He is Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Uh, he does a show called The Trek Files, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. You know uh RPN got some representation. We did. At the panel. We did. Yeah. yeah. Podcast.roddenberry.com for those who don't know. That's how you'd find all of those shows if you're not already listening to them. And, and if you're not, you're missing out. That would be shows like this one. All right. I would feel like Gene Rayburn with one of these things at the podium. This is great. So I want to, th- my name is Larry Nemechek, Dr. Trek. Thank you all for, I want to thank you all for finding your way to the library today. Yay. Just in case you didn't know it, uh, this train is going, this plane is going to Star Trek. If you were going to uh, Hobbit City or Harry Potter Land, you're on the wrong plane, okay? We're flying, we're leaving Trek Land and heading for parts unknown today. Uh, now this is amazing. We did a panel last year at noon Thursday with almost the same group. Um, in the library that no one knew about and we barely had 10 people so this is obviously we're <laughs> thank you all for getting out um yes our topic today is a fandom divided with a question mark maybe uh what you see before you here including myself are several uh, great high quality people involved with great high quality <laughs> star trek related podcasts and maybe you're a, a listener of some so, yes, uh, I'm Larry Nemechek, Dr. Trek. Uh, I've been around Star Trek for a long, long time, the Next Generation Companion, Stellar Cartography set, which uh, the update you can now pre-order, the update for Discovery and other things. Uh, the Trek Files is our new podcast that uh, Trekophiles for all the Trek, uh, Trek Trekophiles with an F, um, and Trekland and Portal 47, my fan experience, and my Tuesday Facebook show, Facebook Live. And then... I'm going to go down the line and let them introduce each other, and then I will find their logo in the pile. Okay. Uh, I'm Aaron Harvey. I am a host of Saturday Morning Trek, a Star Trek podcast about the animated series and all things Trek in the 1970s. Uh, and I also occasionally jump on The Edge, which is our, our network's discovery podcast, and uh, just sort of float around and, and talk about the animated influences in, in other episodes of, you know, like of, of uh, Babylon, not Babylon 5. What is wrong with me? We were out late at the Nerdist party last night. <laughs> Uh, with uh, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, there's all these really kind of crazy references, and now Discovery that has referenced the animated series. Right. Right. Yep. Okay. 
Uh, but you say Kenna or Allison, whatever you Yeah, want. I know. It's very confusing because I have a pseudonym <laughs> on the podcast. It's very confusing. Uh, my name's Allison Pitt. I go by Kenna on Priority One Podcast. We are sort of a news, information, entertainment podcast, and we cover as many aspects of the Star Trek multiverse as we can. So we cover some Star Trek news. We also talk about Star Trek gaming and other things in the fandom. We have some interviews with uh, cool people, uh, and then we also go through and take your feedback. Um, uh, if you want, you should definitely listen in and join in on the discussion. So that's Priority One Podcast. Thank you. Uh, Ken Ray. I am one of the co-hosts of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, along with John Champion, who's going to be telling you about another show that we do in a moment. Uh, Mission Log, though, we're going through and watching every episode of Star Trek, taking it apart from messages, morals, and meanings, and seeing whether the episode stands the test of time. We started... Uh, almost six years ago, six years ago next month with The Cage, and we're, we're now up to, we're just about to finish season one of Deep Space Nine. And um, just, you know, examining Star Trek, not so much the effects and the acting, although there's a little bit of that, but really more the ideas and ideals and the philosophy and what have you. And I'm John Champion. Uh, sometimes I go by Ray. And uh, <laughs> uh, also one half of uh, Mission Log and one half of Mission Log Live, which is our Tuesday night show at facebook.com slash missionlogpod. And that's a show where we get to break our format a little bit, do interviews not strictly about Trek, but we get to dig a little deeper into philosophy and psychology and have guests from all walks of life. We try to tie that into the Gene Roddenberry moral message meanings about the future. Uh, so check those out. When Discovery is on, we talk about Discovery. That's our weekly recap and discussion and analysis of that show. And then in about 10 years, we'll circle back around and do the mission log treatment on Discovery. Um, I'm also the producer of the Trek Files, so Larry and I spend mm -hmm. time every few weeks digging through the Roddenberry archive to pull out cool documents to show you all. And that's our wrap-up, yes. So we've got a good, uh, we have one, we may be joined later, um, Kayla Icavino, who's editor on Trek Movie, had a death in the family this week at the last second, and Christine Rideout is taking her place. Christine's not a full-time podcaster, but she's been a guest often, and she was just a guest on their podcast at Trek Movie, ShuttlePod. Um, but she's working the Discovery press room that I left early, <laughs> and she may be joining us midstream, huh? Okay, good. See, we're all, see, we're with it. We're on top of things. So, uh, Christine may be joining us at the end there, uh, but let's let's go back to this. so our topic. Um, I'll just leave everybody up there until we have something else come along. Do you want to start with that, John? A little, little. Let me let me set it up. Oh, and then oh do we have? Sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. it. Let me. So I don't know. Uh, you all saw the title here. If if you listen to any one of us, uh, you may. That's a topic discovery. A year before it came out, a year and a half, as it debuted, as it rolled along. Um, if your world is fandom online or even fandom in your circle of live friends or at conventions, you may be aware of there's a lot of division, there's a lot of puzzlement, there's a lot of unawareness going on out there with fandom in general about accepting um, discovery. And there's a lot of joy and a lot of excitement, too. So what we were going to talk about today, with probably some offshoots, is uh, maybe some context, is, um, is uh, that, that easy-to-see kind of boiling edge of fandom and its reaction to discovery. Is that really, it's obviously a thing, but how much of a thing is it? 
And um, uh, we all have our opinions about that. We'll get to that and we'll branch out. But John found, you want to just jump Well, there? this is an email that we got, uh, I think, two days ago, two, maybe three days ago. Go. And I, I thought it really deserved its own slide here. I'll, I'll just do a dramatic reading real quick. A bouquet quick. of its own. Yeah. This is from TrekFan321 and TrekFan321 says Star Trek in every iteration will never hold up because it's a television show with okay stories created by writers. Oh. Now, Discuss. full just fan. Yeah, he is a fan. That is in, in every iteration. It's, yeah. It says it right there. Yeah, yeah. He or she, TrekFan321. Now, uh, I, I did just a little bit of digging and uh, it came in through our website. So it had anonymized the, uh, the, the, the incoming message. But then when you hit reply, it actually replied to somebody whose email address contained the words Boba Fett. So, um, so for many reasons, I have to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, I, I've talked about this before in some of our other panels where uh, there are certain types of criticism that I really enjoy. I, I think that fans should be critical of the things that they watch. And, and as somebody who is an avid media consumer, one of the reasons that I like doing the show that we do every week, shows, the plural, that we do every week, is that... Even if I really love something, I love to hear thoughtful counter-arguments about maybe not loving something or maybe pulling a different type of message out of uh, something that I watched than I got. Uh, I think that's really helpful and beneficial to all fans and all media consumers. You're saying don't, don't live in a bubble. Yeah, yeah. Subspace, it, warp, or otherwise. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. But it, it starts a great conversation. And, and if we're not having a conversation around Star Trek, then honestly, what's the point of Star Trek being around for 50 years? It is a show designed to be provocative and to address important issues. That, thank you. <laughs> that said, there's something that I discussed a couple of years ago on a panel similar to this, which is that this type of criticism, which I, I describe as the drive-by. It's all the people who are who are gathered together as fans, having fun, enjoying the thing that they like, and then the one guy driving by really fast, going, "Your thing sucks," <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't add to the conversation. It doesn't help at all. And I don't know what this person gets out of sending that message. Um, it's not something that we can address with any insight on the show because there's no insight to the criticism. We could quit. We could read we, that. We could quit. Like, oh, oh okay, you're I right. realize that. Yeah. 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 It is six years down the train. It. Yeah, but we saved ourselves ten more. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you backtrack to his real Boba Fett uh, account, did yeah. you see if all the tweets were written in Cyrillic? Oh, yeah. You know, like <laughs> maybe, Russian? Maybe, okay. yeah. Uh, a troll? Just, yeah. 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 Just curious. So, um, yeah. So, I, I like it when we get thoughtful emails from people that challenge a point of view that we have. I think that's great. I think that is purely in the spirit of the conversation that Star Trek asks us to have. I don't read reviews. <laughs> because, and you do, <laughs> uh, but those are the ones that I feel like as we keep getting layer upon layer upon layer of anonymity on the internet, and this to me, Larry, is what this panel is really all about. It's not so much about the fandom being divided, it's the kind of, uh, the, the context of the conversations that we have that make us feel divided. And we can talk right. about that, the difference between the, the online conversation, the direct conversation in an email or something like that, versus another layer, which is getting together in a room like this where you've got people who are fans of all different iterations of Star Trek, all different versions. Even within that, there's probably a lot of divisions. 
but we're all here face to face in the same room, able to talk to each other and and hopefully you share a little insight with each other. Yeah. Well, I have a whole different layer that I've just become aware of talking live to fans the last six months of conventions. That's a whole other, open my eyes to another dimension of this. But I want to go down that, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I want to go down the panel and see you guys' thoughts when you've interacted with fans, watching uh, live interactions, uh, online, what have you. Um, how this whole, is the fandom really as divided as it seems? And if it's divided, maybe along lines that aren't apparent, which is my angle. But let me just get some first thoughts from everybody. Uh, I actually haven't, I mean, we haven't been in front of a group of people since Discovery came out. So as far as standing in front of people, that's going to be interesting in Vegas in a couple of weeks at STLV. Um, Certainly before that, there were a number of people who had decided they were going to hate it because they were going to hate it. There were a number of people who were really divided based on the fact that, why do I have to pay $8 a month to watch it? I never had to pay to watch Star Trek before. Um, which God I, I meant mean, for I, Star Trek to be free. Why do I suddenly have to pay for it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was never a business. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's... I haven't... We haven't seen it yet. I mean, I haven't been with a big group of... Uh, but you get, you get feedback on live. Yeah, that's true. Well, but I mean, uh, people are coming to... That seems to be a self-selected audience. That's, yeah, right. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're big Star Trek fans, big enough that they want to you know, devote an hour a week going someplace where they can talk about it, probably not a lot of haters showing up for that. I'm about to say, you don't have haters, you don't have any flamers, you don't have any res- well, respectful Okay, well, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the ones who do, I think, come to the live show and want to engage in a conversation, they're really good about asking the central question that we do, which is, is this Star Trek not not from a legal license holder point of view, none of, none of that. It's a question about, is it Star Trek because is the message is the something heart. that jives with what else we've gotten in Star Trek? That's a great conversation. And, and I think there's a really good argument to be made through the course of those 15 episodes that we've gotten so far to figure out, well, where do they land, but how did they get there? <laughs> you know? Um, the people who I think have been doing the drive-by, it's more just like, I hate the Klingons. <laughs> and my reply to that is, should they be the pink-tunicked Klingons from the animated series? Yes. Uh, should be the ones with the shoe polish makeup from the original series? Should they look like Mark Leonard in motion pictures? Should they, you know, who should we actually get that you think is what a Klingon looks like? Because honestly, I don't care. I really don't care. I care about the story that they're telling in the meantime. That's been the worst of it that we've gotten in uh, yeah. during a show, during, during feedback on a show. Well, I care, but I know it's a long millennium ahead of us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Kenna, how about you? Well, something that I was reflecting on on the way here was um, to even get to a point where we're talking about the fandom and how what the fandom actually thinks of a new series. This is the first new series we've had since the onset of things like Facebook and Twitter right. and all of that other stuff. The last uh, Star Trek series we had was off the air before um, social media really exploded. Um, it's entirely possible... And I know there was a lot of backlash when The Next Generation came out. People were mm-hmm. like, what is that? Because that is not Star Trek. And then for Funny many you people... you should mention that. Yeah, I then, found some things in my photo archives that I... We, a year ago, we were pulling yeah. out there, yeah. Yeah, and, and so... And, and that discussion was happening, but it was happening in a different way. Now it's all very, very visible. So I, I don't really have a good feeling as to 
whether the perceived um, split in the fandom is anything different than we've seen before. It may just be more visible or visible in a different way. Yeah. Yes. And definitely well, more visible, more more just faster, just just more. I just, I mean, I'm, sorry, I'm not just going to sit here and poke you. Okay. 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 Just because you're handy. <laughs> and go. But if you go back and look at when Enterprise came out, 2000, 2001, oh. on message boards. Oh yeah. You're not looking at you know Facebook or or Twitter, but it is the equivalent of that of what people in that you know were on it as much as we are on Facebook, and there are very similar conversations. There are people who are complaining about the ship. The ship isn't from the right era, and it's just like. You can just copy and paste that and take out Enterprise and put Discovery, and you get a lot of the same conversation. That ship looks this way too modern by the same to have been 100 too. years so, yeah, exactly. yeah. Kirk. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that there's there's not a lot of difference. There's just a, a hyperactive sort of you know acceleration of, of everything. And, and there's also the, a leather layer of our social you know, and political um, interaction that sort of Overlaying on top of our pop culture, the I world think. at large. Yeah, and I think that's sort of pressing down and kind of creating a, a divide that may not have been there if yeah. things were a little less divisive. Well, I'm really glad that you mentioned Enterprise because I remember at the time I was really into the show. I was kind of getting back into Star Trek around that time, and here was this new show for me to watch. Right, and at that time, I remember reading Trek BBS. I don't, yeah. I'm sure there are people here on Trek BBS, and it was sort of telling me, "No, no you're supposed to hate this mm-hmm. show." You, yes, now. We what? had you all pre-introduced oh, to come stumbling in. <laughs> so, Ladies no, and gentlemen, Christine. No, Christine, right wait 10 more minutes. <laughs> she says, now? Christine right out, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, so I'm reading Trek BBS going, oh, wait, everybody hates this show. I'm supposed to hate it, too, but I don't. What's wrong with me? The next year, 2006, I went to STLV for the first time for the 40th anniversary of Star Trek. Enterprise had been off the air for a year. And I remember the, the audiences that were there for Shatner, for Nimoy, for everybody. You know, it was a good, room-filling crowd. When Scott Bakula went up, the place was empty because everybody was there for his stage panel. Everybody, more than for any other guest at that show. And I thought, oh, wow. The, all the fans are here, and they love that show, and they love seeing this guy here. That was cool to me. Yeah, that was really cool because it, it showed me that at least the online experience was not representative of the in-person experience. Well, two things there, real quick. One was he never did any convention appearance mm-hmm. until the show was off, and that was his first ever time on stage at a convention. Yep. And number two, people love anything the moment it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Artists, uh, you know, yeah, everything, yeah. Star Treks. So let's take just a second and backtrack and get uh, Chris. Well, I already said that Kayla's supposed to be with us. They had a death in the family. You're filling in and that you were over at the crazy Discovery press gaggle. Yes, I just so, left. And I've even said the fact that you're not a podcaster per se, but you are in social media big time. You have a pulse on fandom. You're on Star Trek, uh, Starfleet mom. For everybody no, that didn't Starfleet know. Starfleet mom. And uh, you were live tweeting the panel today, and you've been a guest, and you were just a guest on there on ShuttlePod just yeah, recently. Yeah, I, I was on the last episode of ShuttlePod giving my Ferengi tips for how to save money at the con. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been um, on Mission Log before, too, talking about Galaxy Quest, right? <laughs> yes. That starts with moving your Hard bit, I think so, or thought so. Um, I'll let you catch up with the one thing we kind of talked about was this whole thing about 
fandom on one surface looks divided, but maybe it's not so much and there's a lot of flux and layers and things going on and and we'll get into this deeper but i just want to let you have a say just the first take on i'll just say really quick one thing that i've noticed is yes online there's a lot of division of course you know if you were if you were the manager of a restaurant and everything was going sw- swell there's no problems you don't get any emails or complaints or or kudos but as soon as somebody spills hot soup on someone's lap you're going to get complaints right and it's only the negative that you get the feedback on so what i've noticed even just since being at the con here this week is how many people notice my shirt and walk up to me and want to talk about star trek and how they love the new show or what i haven't heard people complaining to me when i when i meet people face to face I think that that ratio evens out mm-hmm. or, or goes, or the goes way the way. other way yeah yeah the live interaction um, so we were off on um, um, what were you just we were just saying we were talking about the historical context a little bit then about how every new Star Trek has been always it's always a change factor and we were laughing at, at the quote we had here a minute ago and some of the people next gen and this one guy that just blanketed everything that we found out was a closet Star Wars fan apparently or not so closet he was a closet <laughs> Trek fan um, I remember being that guy though I remember being like 15 and next gen was about to come on and every little piece of news that you'd get, oh, yeah. you know, your friend bought the new issue of Starlog, and like, John, you're never going to believe this. There's a robot, and he's called Data. How dumb is it? Data, really? <laughs> they couldn't come up with a better name. That, like, oh, this is going to suck. You remember Deep Space Nine was a working title. show? What's that? Deep Space Nine was a working title, and we're just like, oh, okay. wow. We're like, yeah. Oh, what? It, it, well, you're going to stay with that? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. the Discovery was the working model yeah, yeah. of that ship too. So yeah, yeah don't worry. It's not. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Until it did. Yeah. yeah. No, I remember all the thing about Spock dying in Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. but I was just looking at Wait, all the Spock brave. Dies? Huh? Oh. Spoiler. You didn't warn Spoiler alert, dude. God, God. Um, it's okay. Watch the next one. He comes back. Oh, double spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> That the people that were all upset by that, but what got me upset was all the no, no one in Star Trek had ever done Admiral on the Bridge, and I was like, oh, it's the 80s and it's so Reagan, and they've militarized Star Trek, and they've got 9,000 pieces of brass on their <laughs> uniform, and it's so Reagan militaristic. And I, yeah, I remember being that uh, nine year old kid thinking that. <laughs> Wait, you were nine in 1987? Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. I know. Oh, it's it's nine. Well, I had new math when I was a kid, so I don't know what you had, but. Uh, <laughs> So, um, uh, what, so, so what's what's the next level? So, what do you when you when what do you do? Everybody, just take this and run with it. When you have a live a live confrontation with somebody who uh, maybe isn't has critiques of discovery that aren't so civil, what's your tack to go to if you feel like taking a tack? Okay, so hopeless case. Say, don't don't not very okay. civil. John, you and I have actually had that one at the study afterwards, after watching Discovery. Oh, and we've, yeah. we've had a couple of those conversations. Okay, so the, yeah. the thing that really got me worked up about that yes. was, was somebody there who was sort of trying to make the case of, well, nobody on that show cares about Star Trek. <laughs> Behind the scenes, on the show, yeah. as an actor, no one. Yeah, just nobody cares. It's so clear. Yeah, and you don't sink 
tens of millions of dollars into something that you want to be a failure, that you want to piss off fans, that you want to be uh, uh, artistically disingenuous, you simply don't do that. And, and people showing up for work on a show like that or any show don't set out to make a bad show. Ed Wood did not set out to make a bad movie with Plan right. 9 from Outer Space. Right. He had no alternative but to make a bad movie <laughs> because he had no talent. But, but, um, and a meat freezer. Yeah, right, right. From a church. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what really upset me about that conversation. So, yeah, we have discovery screenings in Los Angeles yeah. that we will uh, sponsor at Mission Log and Trek FM and um, Portal Forty Seven. Portal Forty Seven. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Impro Studios. Yes. Uh, so. We then gather at the local bar, the study next door afterwards and discuss. And there's been a couple of people who have dropped out because they just, they were hate watching it basically. Yeah. And, they, and they couldn't take that we were going to have a reasoned conversation that was not going to be like, yes, you're right, it's horrible. You know. I don't think I had a good civilized way to respond to that other than, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? The ship is ugly. You're ugly. No. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that I love about being on Priority One is that we often do not agree. And it's part mm -hmm. of the reason that we have so many of us there to have a big discussion like that. Um, the way I approach it is actually part of Star Trek and part of the fandom for me and why it has so much appeal is the fact that it generates conversation and discussion and there's kind of an ideal, a utopia in the future of us being able to solve all our problems by diplomacy. And then I try to live like that. So when we, uh, when we disagree about um, whether Harry Mudd should or should not have come back to the series ever, um, we, we try to tackle it from, you know, let's talk through exactly what, um, what the merits are on, on either side. Um, and then sometimes we agree to disagree. Yeah, that was a, see... It's good to, people get into formal rewatches, right? You'll see online and people on Twitter, just fans all over the place will say, I'm sitting down in my big rewatch of DS9 or my big rewatch of Enterprise or I never cared for Voyager first and I'm going to sit. And I've got to say that when the whole thing about Rain Wilson being cast as Harry Mudd and does he look right and what's, I was all into the head casting that, but then I saw this wave of fandom and I guess it's everybody from the la that's come in the last five, ten years. I think of Harry Mudd as like the bumbling villain from I Mud. And for years I had to go, you know, he was really menacing in, in Mud's Women before mm -hmm. they kind of watered it down. And then he was the bumbling fool in, in uh, Mud's Passion on the Animateds. And this, when that news came out, there was this whole underground, a lot from women, that talked about what a creep he was. Oh, hey. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, but it was like an angle that I had never thought about before. Yeah. Because I, and then I got into arguments people said, no, those, the women were with him because they wanted to be, and they wanted to be, and the whole thing, taking people off to be wives. It was the New Bedford, Massachusetts to Seattle thing that Here Come the Brides was based on, the real thing and then this TV show. But it, it the thing that's, that's part of what's kept Star Trek alive is that we see with new eyes everything. And the minute you were a kid and thought, oh, Next Gen is so neat and modern and that old crazy pajama show with the <laughs> plywood and the blinking Christmas lights and the crappy visual effects. And then now you've got a whole generation going, oh, that Star Trek, that next generation with the carpet up the walls and the therapist on the bridge, it's so 80s. And you know, it's like every era has its own, right? Every era has its own effects. <laughs> Don't forget the shoulder pads. Yes. Huh? The Romulan uh, shoulder yes. pads. Yes. Like, come on. Yeah. But the, the Berman era actually softened it by the end. Nemesis, yes. they were they were pretty soft. Yeah, <laughs> 
Yeah. So this, well, let me throw something out here. And I also want to say we've got a mic. So are you guys up for having questions Absolutely. and everything? I think so, yes. Yeah. Last year we had 10 people, so there weren't a lot of questions asked. <laughs> but we'll take time here in a minute and have some throwback, because I definitely wanted to triangulate here. So here's what, here's what came to me. Um, I was at WhedonCon, which was a con for uh, the Whedon Projects. Um, <laughs> did you know the same guy that did Firefly did Buffy? I just blows my mind. What? Um, there were no rockets in Buffy. It was just amazing. Um, they just beat... Huh? That's okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. And robots. I was the token Star Trek guy at Weedon That's why they call him Dr. Trek. But I... <laughs> and not Dr. Buffy. Um, but I had about 30, 40 people in, a star, in the token Star Trek room, and we got off on this. And I'm used to people, I'm used to seeing panels like that, A, where no one is under 30. And B, where before we even get to the show, we have to get through a layer of all-access angst and anger. And I was expecting that. And it started off with, and this is another stripe to Discovery's wonderfulness, because as we become veteran fans, you forget this layer of it. And it's unless you've got your own kids that you're bringing up or you see kids being brought up by their Trekkie geek, Trek fan parents, if they're out there just alone, that's why I keep asking, um... There were two parents in this room. Their daughter was not with them, but they started into a story about um, just about discovery. And they said, "Oh, our daughter was so into it; she was so excited to see this coming because..." And here's what I would hear a lot from people: it was going to be their Star Trek, and for once, it wouldn't be some it wouldn't be some old show where. It, Five billion other people know it better than I do. We're all we're all at square one. We're all nobody knows more than I do. We're all sitting down to watch it for the same time, and it's my Star Trek, and it's all going to be fresh and unwinding with me. And I can tell my kids about when I saw it the first time. And so the parents are telling this about their daughter being excited, and they and I'm like, this is great. This is going to be a totally different kind of vibe in here. And then the parents said. But they only had the first hour on TV, and after that, we couldn't see it, so we'll never know what happened in the show. And I was just, they were just in their 40s. They were not in wheelchairs. So, and then the, the mood of the room, people were all nodding and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a CBS All Access hate. It's what I've started calling the CBS Access befuddlement. And it's just, there's a whole realm of people that have not, you know, in a bigger way, made the streaming jump or even know how to watch TV on apps and phones if they want, or on their big honking plasma screen on their wall. And, and then I was at SoonerCon, my hometown con, where I had about the same size room and the same kind of reaction. No overt fandom divided hate. It was like people going, I'm, I'm trying to get into the discovery room, but I can't because the door's locked and I don't know how to, I don't have a key. Yeah. So part of this division, and I wonder if there is a silent majority, if there's a silent super minority that um, in fandom, that would like to jump in, and are we looking at a, maybe a tech divide, and does that break along age, or what? Because those, those aren't the people bitching and moaning online. Mm-hmm. That's a, I'm always talking about the great silent majority of armchair fandom. I'm just wondering if part of this great silent majority of armchair fandom regarding Discovery has just not made the streaming leap. Anybody got any? That's, yeah, that's my two bits you. for having interacted with live people this year so far. <laughs> Well, I think, okay, so part of what you said, yes, there's maybe a bit of befuddlement. I think there's also a lot of people I talk to have no idea what CBS AA is. They, they don't, they're not aware of it. And then when you're talking about um, the demographics, the age division, the younger people who are more streaming savvy 
aren't finding content to watch on CBSAA because most of the content there is skewed old white. It's like a double-edged sword. If you're young enough to go there, you're young enough to not care past archive. Yeah, and if so, you're old enough to appreciate that, you, do, you don't know how to get there. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's, I think there's a good argument to be made either way about uh, the, the appropriateness of CBS All Access or the discoverability of a show like Discovery on CBS All Access. No, but, no pun intended. I, you're right, right. Uh, but I firmly believe that we would not be here at Comic-Con listening to an announcement about Discovery Season 2 if that show were not on CBS All Access. I absolutely 100% yeah. believe that. If it had been left to CBS broadcast, what? no way. There's no way that there would be a season two. There probably wouldn't be a second half of a season one. Well, and it would also be a very different show because they can mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. things on a streaming service that yeah. they're not going to broadcast on network TV. Yep. Yeah, it's, I, I it's love a lot more adult of a show. Oh, sure, yeah, they can make whatever they want, and they can they can do Which, things like have a show that runs yeah. longer than an hour, or multiple parts, or, or less what, than an hour, but, or Which less than an hour. Right. Yeah, they, because yeah, every episode is yeah. not the same number of minutes yep. as you have yeah. on a right. network. Yeah, and that led to a, a, a controversy of the week. Oh, it's the f bomb. Oh, it's the you know something every yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. For, especially the first boobies. few weeks. Yeah. Well, we've got. I just uh, saw the clock on the wall there for a second. Does anybody want to? Make a point, make a question, hopefully a question, but or a brief comment. I meant to invite people. That minute a while ago was meant to say, come up to the mic if you want to. Oh, yeah. Oh. And our ever-engaged tech staff is with us. Hey, I'm yeah. John. I'm from hey. Iowa. And I just, by the way, saw the Discovery um, trailer. I forgot about it while you're talking. I'm like, oh, gaggle. I'm, I'm in. I mean, look, you could hit the reset button. If you didn't see Discovery, if you hated the first year, so you can just jump in. It's like... Maybe that's the show that we really wanted. Mm -hmm. But one of the things mm -hmm. that, that I kind of come to, you hear all this all the time, the subscription thing, you know, where it's like, well, we have Star Trek dues. How much money did we pay in the last six months on Star Wars movies and theaters? Hell, a lot more. At least I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you can be both ways. But there's this thing about all of these series, though, and I think Discovery is finally giving us what we really wanted, but we're just not ready for it. And this, this, this all hit me yesterday when, you know, Mark Oldman, who wrote the incredible book uh, about, about Star Trek. He said this yesterday during the BSG panel, something I don't think I'd ever heard him say. He mentioned that Ron Moore, the writer, bailed on Discovery, or not Discovery, uh, Voyager, when they wouldn't let him write it a different way. Like, that was a show where you could, and I did like, like Voyager a lot, but you had this ability to have the reset in a new galaxy. You didn't have to have the same captain. The marquee could have taken it, whatever. You could do whatever in the hell you wanted. And they really didn't. They kind of gave us the same old show, which in a way is good. But now that we have Discovery, we're getting that ability to do something way different and way familiar. And so what, what's good and bad about it is there are people that can't handle the change initially. But I think down the road, that 10-year reflection that you're talking about on your show, I think is going to be a lot different than what we're seeing right now. And I do think, and I did mention the Star Wars thing, we're seeing these parallels where both of these beloved franchises are going through some really new changes. There are some really different turns that they never really could have done before. So I guess my question is, when you talk to people about this, do you ever talk to them about, you know, hey, man, this is the long game. Like, this is not yeah. about 
you in this month. Like, I did not like what we saw in January, those last five episodes. But I get it. It's a bigger picture. Maybe I liked Lorca too much. But do you ever talk about people saying, hey, man, play the long game? And I guess that's my kind of question with my huge rambling prologue. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I ask everybody at the mic also, if you listen, just, just say real quick, if you listen to podcasts, if you listen to anybody up here's podcast or I haven't listened one? to yours yet, but I follow Trek Movie like all the time and, and Trek Core. I mean, there's a lot of great sites. And I subscribed to every one of your people while, while I was sitting okay. there. So good job on oh, the logo. Cool. Good, nice yeah. done. And there is Great. there is a Hi-Fi Sci-Fi podcast out of Iowa that's going through all the TNGs right now. By Sweet. Way. So cool. Anyway, yeah. so the long game was my question. Do you ever ask um, them, hey, man, while you're bitching, do you, do you try the long game? So, so I've had the conversation with people, maybe not playing the wait for the long game card, but more of look at the big picture card. I feel like people kind of hate change to begin with, and they also look back on whatever their Star Trek was um, with a sense of nostalgia. So whether it be TOS or TNG, that's your Star Trek, and you have a soft spot for it, you look upon it fondly, but I tell them every single series, whichever one is your favorite, Mm -hmm. has stellar standout episodes and has some that were not so good, right? So if if you were just going to judge the next generation on season one only... (laughs) Code of honor. (laughs) But how many people love the next generation? How many... You know, I mean, look at the whole thing. Look at the long game. Look at the seven yeah. seasons together as a body of work. And, oh, wow, that's a great series. I love that show, just right? Just forget about season one and two if you still have a great show. Right, right. <laughs> just like December, if you want to jump on season two, you could, like, probably yeah. see right. Well, I have a thing about, since it's a streaming show with only 15 episodes and now 13, it's like, it's like measure it in, in streaming years. It's like it's already gone through the first three years of a typical season yeah. of any other series already. So, and what you said was anybody here in the Hall H panel besides me? Okay, okay, so some of you are. So, what you were saying about watching the trailer and looking forward to season two? It looks different, like a reset. It does have a totally different theme and a different tone. So, if you didn't like the idea of Star Trek in a war, now they're gonna move away from that and they did announce that they're going to I hate to even say the word connect up with canon oh you said the C word how dare you how dare you okay I was kind of quoting X-Men I didn't come up with it I I think you you both hit on something that was really important and and that's that Star Trek isn't just a thing that's, that's out there Star Trek is this thing that people deeply internalize and and it that partly explains the, the feeling of ownership that Star Trek fans have over whatever their Star Trek is. Um, and it's really hard to talk somebody out of that, to say, like, no, no, it's a, you, you don't own it, you enjoy it, which is awesome. You should talk about it, you should debate it, whatever, but you ultimately, at the end of the day, don't own it. Other people are making it. We get to sit here and, and watch it and talk about it and, and uh, tear it apart for morals, meanings, messages, if you do such a thing. <laughs> nice plug. Um, yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, and what you said about people, you know, having that emotional connection, Wilson Cruz just said that in the press conference. Yeah. He said the reason why there's so much of this, these comments and things and talk online is because he says that makes me feel good because that means people are emotionally invested yeah. in it. And if people and weren't passionate, it wouldn't be around for 53 years. Right, right, yeah. right. Let's get, our, let's get some more questions. Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Kai. I do listen to Mission Log, um, but I'm back in season seven. I don't break the timeline. <laughs> um, my, que- my question is um, related to something that was said about 
uh, not thinking that Discovery would have gotten even a second half of the first season or a second season if it hadn't been for CBS All Access. Um, so my question is, why do you think they didn't go further forward? Why, why did they continue their, uh, let's do something in the past. Let's do something oh. back where... People, oh, why was people, it a prequel? And yeah, why yeah. Prequel, and prequel, prequel and prequel again? Uh, yeah. Why not do something super yeah. risky if they were already taking the all-access risk? Because you can get people to pay for nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia makes money. It's, it was... To me, it was Brian's thing. He had this little thing he'd always wanted to do. Everything went down that path. They spent millions of dollars going down that path, and then it suddenly wasn't Brian's thing anymore, but they were all committed to going down that path, and, and then it couldn't help but evolve even more through two or three phases. So they didn't have like, a the, the skeleton, the bones, I think, were there, but it, yeah. it reinvented. My, my analogy, I've said a million times, is it's like getting in a taxi ride. And when people start talking or they gave up after a few shows, I'm like, keep watching because it, by episode six and seven and eight, the tone starts changing. It's because it went through basically Brian, Brian's people, then Brian's people and new people, and then only the new people. It's like getting in a taxi ride and having three drivers and the car never stopped when they changed drivers. <laughs> What it was. And, and I kind of just like as a personal preference thing, and it, it, it's based on nothing other than that. I, I kind of like my Star Trek to be within this, say, couple of hundred year range. Um, the further out Star Trek gets, if it were a hundred years after Voyager, say, the more the technology starts to feel like magic, the more disconnect I feel from that. That's one of the reasons probably that I like uh, Enterprise. 2150s, it feels like a more immediate future, and I feel a little more connection to the groundedness of that show. Like, that's us. That's us on the screen. If we can only get, you know, past these little steps here, here, here. Well, we're three in the Bell Riots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right, okay. okay. But, um, you know, there's something about next gen that feels a little distant and a little cold to me, when it's at its worst, not when it's at its best. Clearly, it's a great show. But um, I, I feel like, I, I, I don't know, just <laughs> if it's too fantastical, even as good as the human element is there, if it's too fantastical, I, I might not be tuned into it. I mean, it would be great to see it go forward a little bit. I, I would be fine, actually. I want to ask another question in just a minute. I'd be fine, actually, if they, uh, if they uh, put it in the same time period as the Enterprise and such. What bothers me is they're constantly proving that they're Star Trek because, hey, look, Michael Burnham was also Spock's sister. You know, and, like all this stuff. I mean, they're constantly... I mean, Harry Mudd, that was a great presentation of Harry Mudd, I think. Um, Rain Wilson was fantastic as Harry Mudd. Apparently, there's only one Rapscallion. <laughs> <laughs> in the whole multiverse, right? There's no, one guy. Right, right, wow! So, so Kayla from Kayla from Shuttlepod Podcast he uses this term all the time that that's Star Trek's blue milk. Like she doesn't want to yeah, see any more right. blue milk. Like stop giving us the, yeah. the fan service and yeah. give us something new. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what you just described is blue milk. But isn't that the difficulty? That as fans, we want the same but different. Oh, that's, and if that's it's the too eternal? much the same, we yes. don't want too much the same. Wanna, if it's too different, yeah. we don't every want movie, different. every series, it's yeah. got to be exactly the same except totally different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there are some that will not be happy unless they make a new series with cardboard sets and Christmas tree lights. <laughs> oh, don't get me off on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so let's get let's get more. Uh, okay, get, get uh, people. Yes. I hi. 
admittedly do not listen to a lot of podcasts because my audio processing is just garbage. So unless there's a transcript, okay. I'm not there's, very good at there's it. There's a future. There's a bright, shiny future to look for. We'll fix that. Yes. Or you can do that. Um, I guess my question was kind of about Star Trek Discovery and the controversies surrounding representation with, like, we had Jojo was right. hugely pegged in the promo materials and then immediately dies but on the other hand we have the first black female lead and we have the first gay characters but then one of them also gets the barrier gay trope and there was i just as a queer fan i was seeing like a lot of those controversies unfolding i was interested to see what your take was on sort of those issues given that star trek is such kind of a champion but also has different perspectives sometimes on those kinds of issues. This is not to justify it, but the one thing that I found interesting was every time somebody would complain, oh, well, they killed this character, they killed this character, there was pretty much one white guy on there. Yeah. Try to find the straight white mm-hmm. guy. Um. And, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying, and that's... And actually, I mean, he got killed off in the first episode, yeah. too. So, yeah. <laughs> so right. yeah, it is difficult because I, I particularly had an issue uh, with um, with Culber dying. Um, and I still, I know they say he's coming back. I've heard that in the panel. But I, I still, Wilson Cruz. And I still, <laughs> I still have an issue with it because um, they killed off a very prominent gay character who was in a happy relationship. Um, yeah. I still do have that issue. But they didn't kill off both gay characters, so there's that. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, but it's still, it was still the barrier gaze trope. It was still effectively the woman in the fridge, and we can go into that on another yeah, panel. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do think it is still important. They are still making strides in representation that I am really enjoying seeing. And even, this is weird, but even in like AI, because they've got um, Sarah Midditch's character, uh, Arium. So they've got her on, and and um, what were they called? Uh, Daft Punk from the first episode. <laughs> so um, I like I like the fact that they're doing that, um, and it, they need to keep doing that. Yeah. Like, was, is, oh no, go ahead. Okay, I was gonna just try to squeeze another. Okay. Question. We're we're like running out of me and no outline, and I knew it was gonna be just fine. <laughs> we can talk. You all can talk. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, my name is Jason. I come across. I argue all the time. I just got out of an argument about an hour ago with. No, a you don't. Home. <laughs> hello, 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 I'd like to buy an argument, please. He could be arguing in his spare time. <laughs> yes, yes. Huh. Um, so what, what I'm curious to get the panel's opinion on is Discovery. When I started watching Discovery, is years, I'm a Star Trek geek to the max. So I didn't initially like it because while they reimagined everything and it looked fantastic, all this new technology, all this new culture, all this new visual to me, did not work as a prequel. To me, that was a disconnect. While it's still technically canon, visually it is not canon, right? So that, for me, was the biggest dissonance in the entire series, and that's actually what I have the hardest time with. Because if it were set visually set, say, 30 years later than TNG, or 40 years later than TNG, that would visually be more, more plausible, and the evolution of the cultures and the visuals and even Klingon genetics might have worked. I was just curious what the panel thought that that might be an, a reason why people are not getting along. I'll say real quick, people talk about canon, and I've for years tried to separate concept canon from visual canon. Because the writers right. will talk about keeping to canon, and what they're really saying is they're sitting down and writing down words. And unless somebody is given the 
visual side of things, marching orders or whatever they have, sometimes people don't realize the disconnect, but a fan will like sniff out the, the look. They publish a still six months early, and that's what people see. They don't know what the words are going to be, or what you know. So that's and good, bad. How you handle that? But that's the division to me. But. Before we even saw any visuals from Discovery, they were saying that it was going to be a visual refresh. So there was one that was a, it wasn't like it came out of nowhere. But I'm still surprised at how many people were argue. No, they've never said that. And I'll go back and I'll find a press release. Well, that's not very clear. They didn't use the term reboot. I'm like, no, they said refresh because we know how you react to reboot. So that's why it's a refresh. <laughs> you know. So, it, but it wasn't like they tried to hide it. And I think there's there's a weird portion of the fan them that feels like it was like a sneaky thing and like but it wasn't yeah. i was one of those honestly i don't disagree with you i mean the, some of the, no, yeah, the yeah, visual yeah. elements are a little hard to square to me ultimately in the day it is about the characters and the the journey than it is the look totally but there are things that i wish oh, i wish it looked a little more like that to create a little bit of a bridge there i don't let it get in the way of my enjoyment of those series. Same. The other thing, though, that you're talking about, that uh, that TNG period, you know, we had more than 20 years of that look from 1980s, what started in 1987 with yep. the TNG 24th century look. I feel like if you did something that referenced that now, it would only look dated to us. Yes, we would go, oh, that looks like a I 90s agree, TV show. I agree, because I always yeah, feel guys, like when I watch all the series, TNG it looks the most dated to yeah, me, even I, more so than the original. Yeah. yeah. Sure. It's like, can I just like do a time travel and bring about 40 of you people back with us last year yeah, when we had 10 people in the audience? <laughs> that would be so awesome. We have to wrap up. I just want to give everybody like a final like shout down and one shout out for me. Everybody's got their stuff. I've got a Portal 47 special this weekend. If you sign up, not only do you get all the freebies, but I have the first five people hit me outside as we're going out. I have a free fan sets pin for any the first five that want to join or at least ask me and join. And I have a pin from a pad. The first person that jumps in outside. Uh, this is a pad from the desk of Gene Roddenberry from Next Generation Era. So it has no value unless it's valuable to you. So um, that's that. But uh, LarryDimacek.com, uh, the Trek Files on Facebook. Uh, do I get? Yes, I'm back there. Um, give it a listen, and also I'm live on Facebook every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Facebook on my Larry Dimacek's Trekland page. How are, how are they going to find you? I kind of put cheats uh, up there, but everybody's Saturday saying. Morning Trek on Trek FM. Uh, Geek Filter is my username on Twitter. Yes, and Geek Filter else. on yep. Twitter. That's yeah. it. Uh, Priority One Podcast, you can find us on iTunes and also at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Um, we release an episode every Friday, and also we record our episodes live at 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, which is a totally different show than the Friday one. So if you uh, if you are interested to see the behind the scenes and how we put the podcast together, you can see a little bit of that too. That's on Tuesday nights. Uh, Lucy and I, what time? Uh, I'm, so, I'm so used to saying 11 p.m. Eastern, but you guys are probably Pacific people, so 8 p.m. Pacific. It's, it's straight after Mission Log Live. Yes. Uh, so Mission Log, uh, missionlogpodcast.com would be the place to find that. And then also uh, the other shows that are on the Roddenberry Podcast Network would be podcast, podcast.roddenberry.com. Actually, I think either one works. There you mm -hmm. go. Yeah. Podcasts and, uh, or podcasts. Uh, what he said, and uh, let's keep talking outside, and uh, remember there's no such thing as a real fan. 
All right. All right. It's because we're all imaginary. Uh, Shuttle Pod podcast is uh, bi weekly, and you can find links to that on truckmovie.com. And Truck Movie is here running ourselves ragged, live tweeting and reporting all yes. things truck. With a super small team that's uh, doing a bang up job. Yes. Thank you all for finding your way to the library again. I hope it was worth it. Yes. So don't forget, San Diego Comic Con 2018. We were there. They say if you can remember, then you weren't really there, no. right? What? Oh, they say that about the 60s. Who says that? <laughs> Remind me who says that. Okay. I'll. Yeah. So uh, it was a, a fun time, and thanks again to Larry for putting together that panel and for having us all there. Uh, speaking of all of us being there. Mm, yeah, all of us who were there will be there in Vegas in a week. Yeah, as of listening to this show, if you're listening to it when it comes out, hopefully we will see you in Vegas. You can come by the uh, Roddenberry table, check out all of us there. Ken and I will be there. We'll have Elijah and Kenna from Priority One. We'll have Grace and Sue from Women at Warp. And yes, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek will be bopping around as well. And we'll be on some panels. Yes. You don't want to miss the Roddenberry Presents panel. You also don't want to miss the Mission Log panel. Uh, But is it Star Trek? We'll find out. And then we also have the RPN panel, kind of a survey of the history of fandom, 1967 to the present. Tons of stuff to check out. And of course, if you miss us at the panels, if you miss us at the table, please, for the love of Mike, don't miss us at the Masquerade Bar. podcast.roddenberry.com the Roddenberry Podcast Network Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese, that pillowy bun Yeah, you get it Every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.